1: draw near to God and God will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your heart, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. You see, even if we fail the test, the grace of our God still reaches through the prickly quills of our porcupine lives and pulls us out of all that.
0: The scriptures implore Christians to allow their light to shine before others that they may be drawn by the love of God. If the actions of a Christian don't show that they're changed by God, then Pastor David says they may be a porcupine Christian. The quills of a porcupine hurt and repel. They're not welcoming. Love, as God intended, brings light into darkness and lifts us out of sin and despair. Obedience and surrender to God can produce humility and gentleness that allows others to see God in us. And here's Pastor David with part three of today's message, Porcupine
1: Christians. say you believe in the son of God that's great but beloved it's more than just a confession it's more than just a declaration it is a life that's changed Jesus was, was so adamant about it when he spoke to a religious man by the name of Nicodemus Nicodemus was a good guy yeah he was a Pharisee but he was one of the good ones that's why I had to sneak in and speak to Jesus at night because, again, it was so different than all the rest. And Jesus told him, Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you're not going to see the kingdom of heaven. There's a dynamic change that has to take place in our lives. We, we look, and again, with, with what John writes in his letter, he gives us some pretty clear guidelines. It's, it's not just those couple of verses that I read earlier, but throughout his letter, he gives some really clear guidelines as to who is a believer and who is not. So are you ready for a pop quiz? If you got a piece of paper, you can take it out and number it from 1 to 15, okay? We're going to look at some things. Think about it yourself. Judge for yourself. I'm not going to look at your scores. I'm not even going to have you exchange your papers with the person sitting next to you. This is between you and God. If we look at this, we need to bear in mind that this is just one test of really many that we could take. But I do believe that it's one that will help us to examine ourselves. Even as I was studying this, and even as I was writing this down, I'm thinking, oh, Lord, wow. Where do I stand in this? And you got to understand, too, that some of these questions, are going to sound very much the same, but it's just like most tests that you take. They ask the same question in a different way to see if you answer it the same, okay? Really and truly, you can score yourself in a range of zero to five. A score of zero being very far from the Lord. Score of five being, hey, you know, I got this one. This is fine. I'm doing well here. Think about this, first one, 1 John 1, verse 6. John writes, if we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, guess what? We lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Remember, as you're keeping your score, five says, hey, I've got that one down. I'm not walking in darkness. I'm practicing the truth. Zero says, no, man, I'm still in darkness and I don't practice the truth. And then where are you in the midst of that? Zero to five. First John chapter two, verse three, this is the second point. John writes, now by this we know that we know him. How? If we keep his commandments. He who says that I know him and doesn't keep his commandments, guess what he is? He's a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. And by this, we know that we are in him. Where do you score in that? When a statement like that is made, do you just read through it, or do you look and do a a personal check? Third one, still in John 2, and he's got a lot of them in here. John writes, he who says that he's in the light and yet hates his brother. He who says he's in the light and yet hates his brother is in darkness until now. So in other words, he said, you're just fooling yourself. You think you're a Christian and there's other Christians that you hate, that you just wish were out of your life. What did Jesus say? They'll know you're my disciples. What? By your putting up with one another. Is that what he said? No. He said by your love one for another. John says, if you say you're in the light and you hate your brother, man, you're still in darkness. Because he who loves his brother abides in the light, and there's no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Can I say that I'm following Christ and have hate for my brother? No, because I'm blinded. I don't know where Christ is leading me. How easy is the test so far, church? Yeah, it's, it's a difficult one. Number four, still first John chapter 2, verse 15. He said, "Don't love the world or the things of the world. Because if anyone loves the world, guess what? The love of the Father is not in him. Zero to five. How much does the world have a hold of you? Zero mean it's got you locked stock and barrel. Five says, "Man, I've given up the things of this world." I am his and his only. The fifth one is verse 28, chapter 2. John writes, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. What he's saying is, if you're born again, You're living your life in righteousness. Zero to five? Hmm. Then he moves on to chapter 3 of 1 John. This is verse 6. Whoever abides in him, guess what? Does not sin. Whoa! Wait a second. Does not sin? Let me finish this. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Now, we could go into a study on this. By, what does he mean? Man, I, I sinned today. I, I know what I did. Does that mean that I don't know Christ? What he's speaking about is this habitual practice of, man, This is just, I'm just going to live my life according to this world, and I don't really care about righteousness. Because he goes on to say, little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. And a little later in that same chapter comes number seven. Number seven, in this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. This is how you know the difference between a child of God and the child of the devil. Or should I say, the child of the, of God and the child of the devil. I don't want anybody feeling that I'm picking on you. Okay. How do we know the difference between the child of God and the child of, of the devil? In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice, live out, practice righteousness is not of God. Nor is he who does not love his brother. Oh, we're back to that one again. Do you think that's kind of an important thing for you and I as a believer? I think so. We've been forgiven so much. How could we not forgive another? Number eight. There's fifteen of these. Hang in there with me. Is verse fourteen? We know we know that we pass from death to life. Why? Again, because we love the brethren. Because we love the brother. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Zero to five. Number nine is verse 17. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? That's what John writes. He says, My little children, let us not love in word or in deed, but in de- or word or in tongue, but in deed and truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. How do I know that I know God? Because the stuff that I have, God has me as a steward of. When I see needs, I have a giving heart. Child of God doesn't have a selfish heart. Child of God has to have a giving heart. Why? Because you have the heart of God, and the heart of God is a giving heart. Uh, Number 10 is from 1 John 4. Verse 20, he says, If someone says, I love God, oh, here it is again, and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Now, listen, I admit that that test in First John is difficult. There, I mean, you look at that and you think, wow, I'm not scoring as good as I would really like to score there. So let's look someplace else and see if there's a, another book that we can look at and hopefully maybe get our scores a little bit better, okay? So let's look at the book of James. Is that a great one? Okay. James 1. This is question number 11, by the way. James 1, verse 22, he says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. What does he mean, deceiving ourselves? Well, I listen to the word all the time. I must be a Christian. I go to Bible study all the time. I've got, you know, KVNG on my radio all the time. I'm listening to it all the time. All the time I'm listening, I'm listening, I'm listening, but I'm not doing any of it. You're deceiving yourself. The twelfth question, verse 26 of James 1. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and doesn't bridle his tongue, you're deceiving your own heart, and your religion is useless. Ooh, how's your tongue? zero to five, okay? Zero to five. James chapter 2, verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but doesn't have works? Can faith save him? I trusted in Jesus Christ. I prayed. I have faith that God saved me from my sin. Okay, is your life showing it? Now, it's not the works that save you. We understand that. But if you are saved, Your life will show that. It'll be a demonstration of that. James tells us, can faith save him? Not that kind of faith. It's just a vocal faith. It's got to be a faith that changes a life. In the same realm, he says, also faith by itself, if it doesn't have works, it's dead. Beloved, we can puppet the words all day long of the prayer that's at the end of a, a track or repeat after me this prayer. And we can do that all day long, every day for the rest of our lives and still not be born again because it's not impacting us from the inside. And that's what James is concerned about. That's what John was concerned about. And that's what Paul is concerned about. And that's what I'm concerned about. But above all of that, that's what Christ is concerned about for each of us. Going on a couple of more. Uh, this is a Question number 14, if you're keeping score. Verse 19, still in uh, James 2. You believe that there's one God? Oh, you do well. Even the demons believe and they tremble. Oh, I believe in God. God, what's it doing in your life? How's it changing your life? But do you want to know, oh foolish man, that faith without works, again, he says, is dead. Last question. James 4 verse 4. By the way, you need to understand he's writing to the church here. He's not writing to the world. He's writing to the church in all of these. Because in James 4, verse 4, he begins out, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of this world makes himself an enemy of God. Zero to five. Are you a friend of God? Or zero, your friend of the world? I think 15 questions is enough for tonight. Total up your score. If you gave yourself a five in each one of these questions, you'd have a total of 75 points. Ain't nobody getting a hundred, okay? Just want to let you know. You do not score. We cannot score a hundred in this quiz. And I think if we're honest, no one scored 75. The lowest score you could receive is zero. So the question is, you think we ought to grade on a curve? We'll just kind of go around the room, what's your score, what's your score, and see. okay, well, most of the scores are this, so those must be the Christians. You know what? The Lord doesn't grade on a curve. You either is or you ain't. Again, bad English, but good theology. Because you're either a part of the kingdom or you're not. And we can't come in, well, I'm I'm partly there. What happens, though, if we fail this test? What happens if I look at this test and I think, man, I, I I scored really low? What happens if I fail the test, but yet at the same time, I know that I placed my trust in Christ for the forgiveness of my sin. I know that I've cried out to him and that I desire to follow him. And in the past in my life, there were these times I know that my life had a great passion for him. I really desired to follow after Christ. I wanted the things of his kingdom in my life, but right now, man, I look at a test like this, and I think, man, don't give me a test like that today. Give it to me five years ago or 10 years ago, but not today. What I used to be, I would have scored higher. But now my heart's grown cold. Calluses that are built on there. What do we do now? James, the one that gave us such a hard test, also has a really great word of encouragement to all of us who find ourselves in a situation, man, I think I might have a failing grade on this. This is for all of us that have found ourselves failing this test at least one time or another in our lives, because I, I guarantee you that probably any one of us, we could take that test one day and score one thing. We could take the test another day and score something completely different. I like what James says. How can I how can I make up that failed test? Is there is there a makeup test I could take and kind of, you know, get my score back? James 4, verse 6. James writes, but he, but God, gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your heart, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. You see, even if we fail the test, the grace of our God still reaches through the prickly quills of our porcupine lives and pulls us out of all that. One last thing, in case you think I might be in too soft on sin or too soft on the choices that believers continue to make and they continue to walk in sin, and you say you're a believer, why do you keep doing that? Nah, the pastor says, ah, the grace of God's going to cover it all. Don't worry about it. Now, listen, Paul also tells us what we need to do in reference to that. So you got your Bibles. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6. Even as James says that God gives more grace, even as James tells us that, man, God God will lift you up. You humble yourself before him, he'll lift you up. Look what Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Because grace is there, shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? Paul says, absolutely not. Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? So in other words, he's saying, if you're really true about your Christian faith, if you're really true about the commitment that you've made to Christ, you're not going to be walking in a way that continually tests grace. Got the grace of God, got the grace of God, and I'm walking along the edge, and I'm walking along the edge, but that's okay. I've got the grace of God. I've got the grace of God, and we're walking along the edge, but because I've got the grace of God. Why would we walk along the edge when the grace of God pulled us from the edge? and from the pit, and from the miry clay. Set our feet on solid ground. Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Down in verse 6, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, and our old lady too, just to cover everybody, okay? And that's not your wife, gentlemen. No. We were crucified with Christ that the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. You need to understand, the Lord Jesus in all of his glory has absolutely no problem hugging porcupines. And I think every one of us can attest to that fact. And just as the quills of a, of a porcupine, they, they were given to that porcupine by God's design to protect him against the predators. And yet they also bring great damage to those that, that want to hug him. So, but the fact is, is grace was given to all of us that have come to Christ. But it's not to be taken for, for granted. It's not to be treated as some small little thing. That's why Paul says, man, you need to examine yourself. I I read about you, church, uh, there in Corinth. I've I've heard the stories from those that have been to the church and they've come back to me. I see all of this stuff going on. You guys just need to examine yourself to see if you really are believers or not because from everything that I see, everything that I hear, man, the testimony of your life is not a proclamation of someone who is born again by the Spirit of God. And that's the challenge that Paul gives me as I read this word. And I hope it's the challenge that you receive from this word. Examine yourselves. Better to examine yourselves now than to wait till that final exam. Amen.
0: We're so glad you joined us today on The Open Word for Pastor David Landry's verse-by-verse teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. You can find more messages from Pastor David and information about The Open Word by visiting our website, theopenword.com. If you're looking for a church home and are in the Casa Grande area, why not join us for a time of worship and Bible study? Calvary Chapel Casa Grande has services each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and at 6.30 p.m. on Wednesdays and Saturdays. You can find location information and directions by going to theopenword.com and following links to the church homepage. Now here's Pastor David with
1: some information on how you can help support the ministry of The Open Word. When we began The Open Word radio ministry, our heart's desire was to get the message of God's kingdom and His grace to as many as possible. We knew that there'd be many who wouldn't come through the church door, but would perhaps tune into a radio program and be challenged and changed by the power of the Holy Spirit through the teaching of God's Word. God has given us a vision to see this ministry expand and reach even further. And yet, as with any ministry endeavor, there are expenses that happen through the production and distribution of these messages. If God has blessed you with the teaching, would you prayerfully consider partnering with us in a financial commitment to the ministry of The Open Word? Log on to theopenword.com and simply click on the support option to help the message of God's grace extend
0: and grow. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all the time we have for today. But join us again as we continue digging deeper into the book of 2 Corinthians, right here on The Open Word. Make us more and more.